Well, welcome to uh, another day as we go through the Word of God and we continue our journey through the book of Proverbs. And I'm so glad that you're with me here today. And uh, uh, we're going to look at uh, Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to continue the journey and uh, we're going to be looking from verse 8 this morning uh, or today. I'm not sure what time it is where you're watching this, uh, but I encourage you, get out your Bibles and let's go through this together. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards, please do that. If you haven't uh, liked my Facebook page, Anthony P. Richards, please do that. Instagram, AP Richards, links are all in the description below, as well as all the podcasts where I have all of this available. Uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, there's a whole lot of them. Links are in the description below. And let's share these. I, I don't ask you to like uh, these just be, to make me feel good. I, I, I don't ask you to subscribe just to, so I can have more subscribers. My, my goal is to allow the Word of God to go out right now. I feel that the, the word, people need to understand that the Word of God contains truth for them today that's relevant. I feel that so many people think that this is an irrelevant book, and it's not. It's never been more relevant than it is right now. And uh, the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. Well, I can tell you right now, every one of us needs wisdom right now. Whatever time it is that you're watching this, wherever you are watching this from, you and I need to grow in wisdom and that's what this book is all about. So let's uh, let's dive straight in here, Proverbs chapter 1, and uh, let's, let's get into here a very interesting start because Solomon reveals here uh, to whom he's actually writing this, uh, this part of the book of Proverbs. He says, my son, my son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains around your neck. Think about this. What a very warm scene Solomon is painting for us here. He's talking to a son and he's saying, listen, don't hear what I'm saying to you and don't forsake the law of your mother. Uh, a father speaks to his son encouraging him here to receive the wisdom of his parents. And unfortunately, it's often the nature of young people to be very slow uh, to receive the wisdom of an older generation. Uh, now, the mention of his son, a son, one son, not sons here, reminds us of a very real tragedy and irony in Solomon's life. He had 700 wives. He had 300 concubines. There's only one record of one of his sons, Rehoboam, and he was a fool. He was the very thing that this book tried to prevent. Uh, it's, it's ironic, it's sad, and it should give us pause to make sure that we don't have access to this and still end up where it tells us we'll end up if we don't apply it. Now, because Solomon here uh, talks about the both the mother and the father being important, uh, we know that the teaching of our children about wisdom and understanding knowledge, it's the responsibility of both parents and we need both parents. And I understand that that's very difficult right now because I know some of you are single parents and you don't have that and there's there's separation. And, and my prayer for you is that somebody would stand in the gap for you. If you're a single mom, that there'd be a, a dad from the church or or some some a man of God that you can trust that would just speak into the life of of your children and uh, you know vice versa. If you're a man and uh, you, you, that there would be you know uh, women of God in in, in God's house that uh, would speak life and wisdom and understanding into your children. Uh, but there is a, an important responsibility here biblically 
because Solomon here talks about instruction. He says, hear the instruction of your your, your dad. Um, we're not meant to primarily teach our children through any other method than instruction. Uh, children are smart, okay? They're very capable of thought. They're very capable of learning. Uh, and, and they're very capable of learning obedience that is not just about blind submission. In other words... You know, there are some times when you have to say to your kids, look, just do it because I said so, okay? Because they're just unable to mentally understand and and as they get older, maybe they can. Uh, so that's appropriate, you know, and I think that's appropriate for, for younger children. But you have to explain to your children why you are asking them to do or not do certain things. You can't just say do this and don't do that. And that's what the whole book of Proverbs was about for Solomon, was about talking to his son. He says they're going to be a graceful ornament around your neck uh the idea is that the instruction and the law that was given from his parents to to his child are going to adorn the life of his child but only if they receive it uh now think about that it's he's saying look at it's going to be like a crown on your head or a chain around your neck that's what wisdom is going to be seen as a reward to the younger generation verse 10 my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. This is actually a very interesting, uh, small little proverb, okay? Because remember, proverbs, are a whole lot of little one-liner proverbs that all fit together and knit together. My son, if sinners entice you. Solomon wanted his son to understand there's a danger of bad people. There are bad people out there. They're a bad company. Um, they're, they're, the actions of some people very clearly reveal them to be bad people. You can see them. Uh, now, that's more than just in the general sense that we're all sinners because we're all bad and we're all kind of evil. Uh, but but Solomon's saying, hey, listen, there are people that you who, who are, they're just out to ruin your life. They don't want to just ruin theirs. They want to ruin yours too. And they're going to entice you. And I think it's interesting that the very first instruction in this book and the very first warning speaks to the company that we keep and the friendships that we make. And there, there's, there's very few more powerful forces and influence upon our life than the friends with which we keep company. And it speaks to the great need of us as Christians to be very careful about our choice of friends um, because it, they really do play a very important role in your life. And I've been blessed with a lot of great friends in my life and I'm so thankful for them. Now he says, if they entice you, so he's basically saying that, that, that you know this is what's going to happen. They're going to try and entice you. And if they do, do not consent. Adam Clark said this, they can do thee no harm unless thy will join in with them. Not even the devil himself can lead a man into sin until he consents. Were it not so, how could God judge the world? People can't do you harm unless you join them. And that's what Solomon was trying to say to his son. Verse 11. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lots among us. Let us have all one purse. So that's the quote that he says. He says, if they say all that, 
when when wicked people plot their evil actions, Solomon says to the wise son, the wise son, don't consent. Okay, distance yourself from them. No matter no matter what they promise, no what no matter what the gain is, they say, look, if you do this, this is what you're going to get. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Now, part of their enticement was simply the the the, the sense of belonging that the son would feel. Uh, now. You know, Dwayne Garrett made this observation. Apparently in ancient Israel, no less than in the modern world, the comradeship, easy money and feeling of empowerment offered by gangs was a strong temptation to the young man who felt overwhelmed by the difficulties of life that he confronted every single day. Solomon described the words of sinners in their terms of real meaning and effect and in their real context, which is no different than, than they are today. Uh, such sinners are going to appeal to quick gains and riches um, and not merely just about inviting this one to shed blood. Solomon tells us to hear what people mean uh, with promises of uh, uh, quick and easy riches. Don't just listen to what they say. You have to ask people what they mean. One of the things that I say to people all the time that's very important when you're when you're trying to uh, you know navigate life with friends is it only works if we all say what we mean and mean what we say. If those two things are not there, then it's very difficult to have any trust and it's very difficult for a group of friends to move forward without that. Uh, that that the navigation of its own little proverb, if you like. Okay, um, verse 15. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. The guidance from, from the father to the son was so simple and very clear. Stay away from wicked people and all their plotting. Uh, why? Because their feet run to evil. That's where they run to. In times of travel, they run to evil. When things don't go well, they run to evil. They don't run to good, and which means they don't run to God. They run to the devil. Wicked people run to the devil when things don't go well. Godly people run to God when things don't go well. This is the distinction that Solomon is making. Verse 17, surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, uh, this is interesting. Um, Garrett says this, the bird does not see any connection between the net and what is scattered on it. In other words, you know, there's other birds on the net. So he, he doesn't see the net and go, oh, look, there's other birds on that net. I guess I better not fly into that. He just sees the food that is free for the taking behind the net. In the process, he's trapped and killed. In the same way, the gang cannot see the connection between the acts of robbery and the fate that entraps them. Verse 18. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. Ultimately, the gain promised by the wicked can never be fulfilled. This is what Solomon is talking about. Uh, they say, let us lie in wait to shed blood. But what they actually mean is that they are the ones who are hunted. They seek to take the life and livelihood of, away from other people. But what their actions do is it takes away the life of its owners. They're taking away their own life and they don't realize it. Verse 20. 
Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city and she speaks her words. Solomon here presents wisdom as a person. And what's so incredibly interesting is that he presents this person as a woman, which I think is uh, incredibly apt. And uh, I'm so thankful for the women in my life. I think about my wife. uh, think about my nana. uh, think about my grandma. I think about my auntie uh, or aunties, I should say. Uh, And I think about the wisdom that they brought into my life that totally separate from any of the great, wonderful men in my life. Uh, A woman who offers her guidance and help to the world has a loud cry but is often ignored. Uh, Matthew Poole. This wisdom is said to cry with a loud voice, to too intimate both God's earnestness in inviting sinners to repentance and their inexcusableness if they do not hear such loud cries. Warren Wearsby, the greatest tragedy is that there's so much noise that people can't hear the things they really need to hear. God is trying to get through to them with the voice of wisdom, but all they hear are the confused communications, clutter, foolish voices that lead them farther away from the truth. Now, where does she do this? She cries out at the openings. She is in the open squares, the chief concourses, the gates of the city. Uh, What does that mean? That means that wisdom presents herself to everyone in every place. She offers her help to anyone who will give attention to one thing, her words. That's what Solomon says. Wisdom is everywhere, but you've got to listen. And this is what he's saying. Remember, he's saying this to his son which is amazing. Verse 22. And these are the words that that wisdom, she, wisdom speaks. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Uh, Wisdom, so wisdom here, she begins her appeal by addressing the people that need her help the most. Who is that? The simple ones, those ones who are untrained in the ways of wisdom. And she challenged those without wisdom to give account for their lack. How long, she says, how long? How many more weeks, months, years uh, will you as simple ones reject and neglect wisdom's help? And, And the problem with these simple ones was that They actually just loved their simplicity. They preferred their foolish ignorance than the efforts or correction required by the love and pursuit of wisdom. Scorners delight in their scorning. Fools hate knowledge. This scorn uh, describes those who boastfully reject and despise God's wisdom. We all know people like that. Uh, They love their simplicity and scorn, and they actually hate knowledge. Um, Warren Wearsby, scorners think they know everything and they laugh at the things that are actually important that they need to know. And we all know people like that. Uh, Warren Wearsby also said this, fools are people who are ignorant of truth because they're dull and stubborn. Their problem is not a low IQ or poor education. Their problem is a lack of spiritual desire to seek and find God's wisdom. 
And, and you can start to see here in these verses a downward spiral uh, that progresses because you start gullible, you become a fool, and you end up somebody who's a mocking scorner. It, it doesn't go well when you don't listen to wisdom. Verse 23. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Now, the embrace of wisdom begins with a turn. I say this to people all the time. Listen, you, 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 you'll never change your life or your trajectory if you try to veer off, if you try to take a veering away from your pattern. You need to make a turn. You've got to turn away. You have to either go 90 degrees or 180 degrees the other way. You have to make a turn. Uh, you have to be willing to change direction from the pursuit of foolishness and scorn and turn towards God and his wisdom. And this response to wisdom's rebuke invites wisdom herself to then pour itself out. Now, I just want to talk about here about the spirit of wisdom, okay? It's a lowercase s, and it's not talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, the two concepts of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Wisdom don't contradict each other, but they're not the same. This is this here is talking about uh, the the spirit of wisdom. Remember, Solomon has has personified her as a woman. Okay, um, so this is this is this is what has has come about. Uh, from a position perspective, she says, I will pour out my spirit on you. And that's her internal, everything that she knows. She's not going to hold anything back. It's all coming out. The full power, the full strength of everything that she has. Verse 24. Why? Because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I will also laugh at your calamity. I'll mock when your terror comes and when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Uh, There's some pretty pretty strong stuff there. Uh, This is the rebuke that wisdom is offering. She promised that if you reject me, then I'm going to laugh at your calamity. Rejected wisdom has nothing to offer the fool, okay? Um, And that's why destruction comes like a whirlwind. Verse 28, Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. When wisdom is rejected, she has no alternative plan for the fool. In a time of crisis, the fool can't expect to beg for and receive instant wisdom. Uh, they will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. That's what foolish people do, is they all of a sudden realize that they, they need wisdom, they cry out, and all of a sudden now they can't find it. Well, that's biblical. That's what God said would happen. Because they hated knowledge, and they did not choose the fear, the reverence of the Lord. Since the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, Proverbs 1, Job 28, Psalm 111, Proverbs 9, Ecclesiastes 12, to reject this respect of God is to reject wisdom. Verse 30, they would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, thou shalt eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacencies of complacency of fools will destroy them. The consequences of, of rejecting wisdom can't be avoided. The, the end result of 
uh, this love of foolishness and scorn is going to be the death. Will slay them and destruction will destroy them. Uh, now, when, when, when wisdom says you, they've gone their own way, Charles Bridges says this, the reason for the sinner's ruin is placed again at their own door. They are wayward since they turn away from wisdom's beckoning voice. They despise the only cure that is available to them. It's sad when we see people like that, isn't it? Verse 33. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Those who do listen to wisdom's call are going to be secure with no fear of evil whatsoever. Their fear of the Lord, their reverence for God has resulted in them not needing to fear evil. Remember, turning. Um, Matthew Poole, as a wicked man's mind is oft full of anxiety in the midst of all his outward prosperity and glory, so the mind of a good man is filled with peace and joy, even when his outward man is exposed to many troubles. So what do we observe? Well, this is what I observe. Wisdom is a journey. And it's actually not that hard to get off track on the journey and become a fool. But we must have the fear of the Lord. We must respect. We must never take the words of the Bible and the word of God for granted. We must never put ourselves in a situation where we, we think we know better or we think that that doesn't apply to us. Um, when you respect and you have a reverence for God and his word, you're going to be fine. That's what the Bible says. Uh, now, we do foolish things all the time. As Christians, as Christ follows, we do foolish things. Uh, why do we do foolish things? I think it's because they are lapses of the fear of God. It, it's when we, we when we get ourselves to a point where all of a sudden we're like, oh, I think I can get away with it this time, or you know, it's not really that big a deal. I, I did it once before and nothing happened, so maybe I can do it again. Um, when you stop respecting God and his word, you... you, you disrespect Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and you also expose yourself to foolishness and Solomon here was saying to his son, whatever you do, don't do that. That's a bad idea and that's my observation. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. I want to pray for you today. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that these Proverbs are things that we can look at, we can read, and we can just see how can we generally apply these to our lives. I pray, Lord, for anybody just watching this today. Uh, bless them, encourage them, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, allow them just to take the fruit of uh, these Proverbs of Solomon and apply them to their lives in a way that just helps them grow closer to you in in, in a fear and in, in a good way. Uh, in a reverence, in a respect and an understanding of who you are and that you want us to live with your wisdom, Lord, not ours, yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.